Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Nikki Hyman, and you are listening to the Think Inclusive podcast. Recording from my office in beautiful Marietta, Georgia, you are listening to the Think Inclusive podcast, episode 23. Today, we have Nikki Hyman from MyCreativeInclusion.com. We talk about the biggest barriers to inclusive practices in schools today. We also discuss what has been the most effective strategy for helping change educators' mindsets about inclusion. After the podcast, please visit patreon.com backslash thinkinclusivepodcast, where you can support our goal to bring you in-depth interviews with inclusive education and community advocacy thought leaders. Also, you can help other people find us by giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the Think Inclusive podcast. So without further ado, here is the interview. All right, I'd like to uh, welcome Nikki Hyman to the Think Inclusive podcast. Uh, thanks for being here and taking the time out to talk with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to talking to you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so um, for those of uh, you who are listening who don't know, uh, Nikki's contributed to uh, uh, the Think Inclusive website with uh, some fantastic articles. Um, she also is a veteran special education teacher in Mom to Trenton, uh, who's 14 and uh, who has Down syndrome. Um, she started the blog MyCreativeInclusion.com and has fantastic resources on that blog. And she's also been very busy providing professional development to educators uh, about increasing their inclusive education practices. She's also a speaker, provides keynote speeches around the United States regarding inclusion and mindset around disability. Um, so what has been new in, uh, in your world, Nikki? <laughs> Well, we have been busy with all the things you listed. Trenton is starting high school this year, which is a big deal. I am excited and nervous about it both. Um, 
and I started a new, in addition to um, my creative inclusion and doing speeches, I started a new position um, with an education service center, and I'm excited about that. I will be um, able to work with teachers um, all around the state of Kansas, so I'm looking forward to the new challenges that brings as well. Awesome. So, uh, so the professional development that you're doing right now, is that part of your particular job uh, with uh, your district or the state? Yes, it is. Um, we, the special ed, or the um, education service center that I work for supports over a hundred school districts um, to work with them to provide professional development for staff, as well as a lot of other services, but professional development is the area that I'm working with. Okay. Um, and just because I, I'm not sure if we've talked about this before, but in, in the districts that you serve, would you say that the majority of them are inclusively minded or that they are practicing, you know, inclusive practices with fidelity or is it something that, um, it, it's still, it's still kind of a work in progress. I think that depends greatly on the school district. Um, in Kansas, we are doing some great things. We have what are called Gemini schools, which are schools that are really working towards changing education. We have a fantastic commissioner of education who he, I, he is one of the most motivating, um, inspiring speakers I've ever heard. And he is really motivated to change education and for the better. It's it's super exciting. Um, we also have a lot of rural schools and we have funding issues in Kansas, as like a lot of other states. And so, it you know, it varies a great deal. If there's a building that is well-funded, then um, inclusive practices are more likely to be followed than one that is um, constantly cutting um, just to keep the doors open. Right. So I would say there's a wide range. Oh, makes sense. Um, from your, I guess, experience in uh, working with schools and, and educators, uh, what do you think is the really the biggest barrier to inclusive practices? I would say 100% it's the mindset. Um, it's the mindset of the parents, and it's also the mindset of the staff and the teachers working with students. Um, you know, I think I think the number one thing we need to talk about is moving away from a deficits-based approach to special education into a strengths-based approach. And um, once we get that mindset so that it's not something we have to um, – I'll back up a little bit. So when we're writing the IEP, a lot of times we're thinking about all the things that need to be addressed, mm -hmm. all the areas that we have to fill in, the gaps we have to fill in, and that can become overwhelming. I think once we change our mindset and it becomes a habit to first look at, wow, this kid is really good at these things, it's going to be a lot easier to move past those um you know, that really overwhelming feeling of we have all these gaps to fill in. How are we going to get that done within this IEP period? And instead look at this kid is really talented in these areas. How can we build them up in those areas? Um, I think inclusion will be a lot easier once we start thinking about it in those terms. Is, uh, is that something that we need to work on um, as far as the, the tiers of support? Because, um, you know, I'm not an expert on... RTI at all, 
Uh, but from what my understanding is, is that the, there has to be some sort of uh, deficit or, or uh, discrepancy in the learning in order for students to receive special education services. So how does that work with a strengths-based view when this, it seems to me, and, and like I said, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, it's, already, it's already leaning toward deficit, a deficit model. Absolutely. And um, we can't look at only strengths. We obviously have to consider deficits as well. But, um, you know, if we think about, I'll use um, Trenton for an example. Um, his reading is significantly behind his peers, but he is very social and he learns very well from his peers and from conversation and from group work. So while he may not be able to read a ninth grade text, he can participate with his peers and he can learn very well that way. And I think when we're looking at strengths as far as um, how students learn best, mm -hmm. if we put them in situations to make them successful from the beginning, um, that filling those deficits will be a lot of an easier transition, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you, so you, you talked about mindset. Do you think that that's really... Um the mindsets of the educators to, to kind of shift from the looking at what a student, all the things that a student can't do uh, to the things that they can do? I think educators, but also parents, I think we all kind of struggle with that from time to time um, because we all get frustrated. I mean, nobody's perfect and we're always looking at, oh my gosh, look at all these wonderful things that are happening, sometimes it's like, why can't we just, why can't we just meet this goal, you know, and it can be very frustrating, um, but I'm sorry, Tim, I totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> I hope you can edit that out. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Yeah, go ahead, take your time. Can <laughs> <laughs> you repeat the question for me? Um, I was saying about educators, so um, you, you talked about mindset and having changing like a mindset to more strengths-based uh, do you feel like um, since educators are so used to working with deficits and how can I uh, how can I close the gap for students um, I guess what's the best way for educators to change their mindset to a to a strengths-based uh, approach okay that is an excellent question um, I think that when we look at how education has been structured over the last um, years that it has been, you know, we have these standards-based assessments and No Child Left Behind where every child is supposed to meet the same idea of um, mastery, which we, we know that's not possible. Um, I think moving towards things like um, project-based learning when we think, okay, what could be what could be a meaningful activity for the student to do in this environment that they're going to be successful? And just, I think, practicing looking at success and being very metacognitive about it. So instead of looking, okay, well, this activity, this is not going to be possible because, unless the reasons it's not possible, change the activity so that it is possible. And then just like with students, when we have those positive 
reinforcing activities that, that they experience success as teachers, then we're looking at them and we're like, oh, they can do this. And they can also do this. Well, this is great. Maybe they can do this. And the positive builds on the positive. And um, that makes you feel better as a teacher, though, too. You know, when you're seeing all the success rather than to be caught up in the negative of, oh, my goodness, we have so much work to do and so little time to do it. It makes teaching a lot more fun when you have that mindset of we just need to restructure the activity and make the student successful and then build on that. And when we build on it, we're going to address the deficits. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, coming from, coming from the classroom and knowing the pressure that's on, you know, our students, um, making progress on their goals and objectives. Um, it, it, it's, it's easy to, um, to try and, and focus on, uh, filling those gaps as opposed to, uh, really looking at the strengths of, of each individual student. Uh, but from experience, I know that you've had this experience as, as well. Um, when the students feel like they are able to uh, learn and when they have those positive experiences um, that just keeps the, it keeps the momentum going. Um, Here's a, here's a question that, um, that maybe you can draw on from your experience with, with your son. So, uh, because you mentioned about how uh, he has some gaps. So, how how have you encouraged him as a parent um, when he is given things that are you know that are that are difficult for him? How do you encourage him to kind of keep going and not lose steam um, with his education? We break things down for him into the smallest piece that he can do. Um, but we've also been very fortunate that we have um, educators that are willing to adapt for him. Um, his favorite activities are all things that he's done in the general ed classroom. And I love being able to tell the teachers that because I think, you know, there's always that nagging, oh, gosh, I wish he could do this. This is so much lower than his peers. I don't know if he's getting enough out of it because I'm sorry, um, you know, periodic table, that is really hard <laughs> to learn. Right. And as far as life application, I don't know how valuable that is. But just this morning, we were going through some things in his room, and he was so proud of his interactive notebook that he did last year in science class. He was flipping through the pages, and he was telling me about things he did all year in science last year. So um, I think having having teachers that are willing to adapt and willing to work with you um, on breaking things down because we really, I mean, if he's brought something home that was just impossible, I just picked up the phone and I, I called the teacher and said, um, can we think about how this is, how this needs to be restructured so that he's capable of doing it? And I'll help him at home, of course, but um, I think that relationship between parent and teacher also has to be very positive and supportive because this is a team and we are, you know, working through sometimes uncharted territory. Right, right. And it, it sounds like you've been very fortunate having, like you said, educators who were willing to, you know, maybe change up their mindset and, and you know, work 
um, with your son as far as uh, uh, having him access the curriculum and modifying mod, mod, modifying for him. Um, what what kind of advice would you give to parents who maybe don't have uh, educators who are either willing or maybe they just don't know how to modify that curriculum? I think those are two very different situations. We actually um, did, we have had situations where the teachers have been unwilling. Um, and actually that was a big reason we switched schools a couple years ago. Um, and unwilling and un, um, and not having the knowledge are two very different things. Um, not having the knowledge is something I think is easy to work with because that's something we can just problem solve together as a team but not being willing to is a whole other situation. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, like I said before, that relationship piece between parent and teacher, that has to be there. But, um, you know, you, you do have least restrictive environments and you, you do have legal rights. And I don't want to, that's never my first avenue for problem solving, but it is something that we do have if we need to. Right. The legal aspect. Right. Um, what advice would you give to educators who maybe are willing um, to, number one, uh, they want to modify the curriculum, maybe, uh, or they want to promote inclusive practices, but maybe they're in a district where, you know, that, that just isn't a priority. That's like, not, you know. Um, that can be hard, um, but I think as long as you model what you would like to see, that you're going to that you're going to impact some people. And I think when we're talking about systems change, we have to think about there's always going to be certain groups. There's going to be some people that are the early adopters that look at something new and they think, "Oh my gosh, this is great! This is the answer to." Um, all of my problems. And then there's going to be another group that says, oh, I don't know, I'm going to need to see you try that first before I jump in. And then there's going to be another group that says, nope, this is how we've always done it. This is how I'm going to stay. And I think if you're an early adopter and you're wanting to spread the excitement of something great, like meaningful inclusion in your school, then just continue to model that and model that strength-based approach. You know, you have a student who is really struggling model talking about the strengths, of course, recognize the deficits, but recognize how you're going to address the deficits through the child's strengths. Mm -hmm. And those ones that are, you know, they need to watch you do it first, they'll catch on. It might take some time, but they need that, um, just, just their personality, that they need that comfort of having seen somebody go before them before they will um, jump in. What do you think is the, when you're talking with teachers, what do you think their biggest, the biggest challenges um, in providing the professional development for them? It is hard. If we can get past the mindset piece and we have teachers who are saying, okay, I want to try this, um, I don't know how. And also that juggling piece with you have 20, 30 kids in your room, how do you adopt or adapt for um for a few who have significant challenges. And that's something that does take teamwork. It takes a lot of collaboration between the special ed teacher and the regular ed teacher. 
and um, and yeah, it takes teamwork and figuring out what works for you. Every team is different. Right. Uh, do you have any um, any tips or strategies um, uh, for maybe making it work in in your building? Um, uh, I re I mean I remember when I was a when I was a classroom teacher uh, in you know I, and I taught in self-contained classrooms um, when I did I would try and and uh, buddy up with the general ed teachers and just become friends with them it's just so that I would kind of include myself in my building and develop those relationships so that when they saw my kids or when we I wanted to do some sort of co-teaching lesson with them, they they had a relationship with me uh, already. Do you, do you have any more kind of strategies for maybe teachers who are in that particular situation? Yes, that relationship piece is really important. Um, time is often such a challenge because there's rarely a time in the day where um, you can meet and neither one of you have kids. So I made a point to meet with every teacher, and we scheduled a time at the very beginning of the year that I would meet with each one of them weekly and check in on how things were doing, if they needed me to um, help them modify something, or um, if there were behavior challenges we needed to work through. So that way I knew that I always met with, you know, I met with the kindergarten staff on Mondays, and I met with first grade on Tuesdays, and we just sort of... Um, as long as it was on the calendar, the meeting happened. If, if it wasn't on the calendar, it was um, really easy to go um, extended time periods without touching base. And I think that relationship and consistent communication are keys to making it work. Fantastic. Um, what, uh, what else is on your mind as far as just, you know, inclusion in general, um, either for your son or just when, when you're looking at the educational landscape? Well, um, I'm in Kansas, and we are we really do have some great things that we are talking about and working through here. I don't know about other states um, as much in depth, but um, with Trenton entering high school, he's got some really cool things, and and it's, it's that mindset piece that I think we're finally getting there in so many places. Um, we have got individual plans of study for every student in high school, IEP or not. And wow. so every kid is thinking about, what do I want to do when I graduate high school? What classes do I need to get there? And so Trenton has actually two career paths that we picked for him, um, with him. I don't want to say for him because <laughs> he um, right. um, really wants to um, own a horse ranch. Um, and so we're working on how much money that actually takes, and mom and dad don't have that much. <laughs> so um, he has this um, beautiful picture that he picked out online, and it is probably a $6 million horse ranch, and that is what he wants to do. <laughs> so we're working through that. <laughs> right. Um, but anyway, he also is very interested in babies, and he loves to go to the nursing home. And so... He has one path is um, family sciences, so he's taking um, classes on child development and things like that. And then his other path is in agronomy because he's very interested in animals and horses. And um, we kind of talked to him about, you know, he doesn't want to live with us after he graduates. 
which is great. We support that. Um, we talked about have to have a job, and he actually started his own business this summer with a friend of his that also has Down syndrome. Mm -hmm. They um, were selling snow cones together, and that was a great opportunity for him to learn some entrepreneurship skills. And, you know, all of his friends have jobs, so we felt like it was perfectly appropriate for him to start working. And um, I just love that when we're talking about individual plans of study, Trenton's world is not necessarily different from all of his peers. They all have career paths that they chose when entering high school. So um, we didn't really have to do anything different. Of course, the curriculum is be modified, but I just love how it wasn't different at enrollment. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's how it should be. That's awesome. I love that. Um, well, uh, good luck to you, Trenton, with his uh, high school, his high school career as a, as he gets gets into that. Um, I want to make sure people know where to find you. So, uh, are you on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and all that? Yes, I am at Creative Inclusion on Instagram and at Hyman Nikki on Twitter. And I am Creative Inclusion on Facebook. Fantastic. All right. Um, well, I want to thank uh, Nikki Hyman for being on the Think Inclusive podcast. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Tim. That is our show. We would like to thank Nikki Hyman for being a guest on the Think Inclusive podcast. Make sure to follow her on Twitter and Facebook and look for her work on mycreativeinclusion.com. Follow Think Inclusive on the web at thinkinclusive.us, as well as Twitter, Facebook, Google+, and Instagram. Today's show was produced by myself using an SM58, USB Logitech headset, Zoom H1 handy recorder, MacBook Pro, GarageBand, and a Skype account. You can also subscribe to the Think Inclusive podcast via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or Anchor.fm, the easiest way to start a podcast. From Marietta, Georgia, please join us again on the Think Inclusive podcast. Thanks for your time and attention. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.